I have two words for you. Tell me what you think. Here they are. Social media. What just came out of your heart at that point. Social media draws from our hearts a mixture of like and dislike. I was going to say love and hate, but I don't use the word hate. I rarely use the word hate. Uh, I use it, I hate I hate sin, I hate the devil, but I, I try to isolate that word to some specific things, and so I don't use it a lot, and I wouldn't bring social media down to that level of hate, and so I use the word dislike. Social media draws from our hearts a mixture of like and dislike all at the same time. We are thankful for these media platforms because of our ability to reach others easily and quickly and healthfully. Everybody has a story Everybody has a relationship where they have used social media for good, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it may be. You could also say email as well, but we struggle with these platforms because of the many inherent problems. For example, a lack of self-control. I'm sure you've had that experience. No social discretion where people don't have a social filter and they say things that they would not ordinarily say face-to-face. Perpetuating isolation, that's another one. It's so easy If you're lonely, if you're insecure, if you're going through a difficult time, social media could present itself as a a viable option for you. But, well, there's a hook there, and it could perpetuate isolation. It could be an addictive trap. And that is the fourth inherent problem, addictive issues, which makes a little honesty about the limitations of social media appropriate, and so I want to talk about it in this podcast. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. If you would like to read this podcast, the article on the website and the podcast, the title, Being Honest About the Limitations of Social Media relationships. And so that's what I want to talk about. And you are welcome to not just read this podcast in that article, but I have a bunch of embedded articles as well. And as always, you can do a much deeper dive if you wish. I want to share a note, a card that I just received today, a thank you card. I'll not share the individual's name, but there is a puppy on the front of the on the front of the card, and so you know who you are. It's a cute little, looks like a a beagle, and it says, thank you. Here's what the individual wrote. Thank you for your ministry. You have helped me to recognize that I might not be able to help others change, grow closer to God, but I can respond to hurt in a way that brings him glory. I desire to be like Joseph who said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? When I'm tempted to react sinfully to the sin or unkindness of others, I desire to be like Jesus who loves perfectly. This website helps to reveal my heart so I can repent and allow him to heal me, and then I can love like Christ 
signed a person, and they sent a check for $100. And I wanted you to hear both of those things. One, the Lord is doing a good work in people's lives through this ministry, and this is the spring of 2020, and we are doing our most massive ever fundraising campaign. If you haven't heard about it, I want you to hear about it just briefly here. Uh, We've had two donors that came and they said that we want to give you $25,000 a piece if you can match us, meaning can you match us at $50,000, which would be $100,000. And our goal is to hire, we have 10 hires or promotions that we want to make within our ministry, and it's so critical that we do that because, I'm going to be honest with you, the work is overwhelming, and I am overloaded. Now, I've been overloaded for, well, virtually since the day that we started, July the 3rd, 2008, and so we're moving up, we're closing out our 12th year, and thank God that these two business people said, we know what you do, we understand what you do, we know that it costs a lot of money, and we know that you are overwhelmed, and so we want to help, and so here's $50,000. Now, this is what you have to do. You have to raise 50. Now, that would allow us to be able to make these 10 hires and promotions, and so that's why this, like, I'm I assume that this individual heard about that, and so they put a check in here for a hundred dollars, and so now we are a hundred dollars closer to the fifty that we need to raise so that we can meet the match of the other fifty. And so, will you pray about that? The title of this podcast, Being Honest About the Limitations of Social Media Relationships, and it ties to what I was just sharing with you about this matching campaign. By the way, if you listen to this podcast in 2021 or 2022, or even after the Lord takes me home, if the ministry is still going, please will will you give even then. But the reason that I'm this podcast ties to what I'm sharing about this individual who wrote the card and sent the check in is because we have to, Rick and Lucia, we have to think about the limitations of social media because it is overwhelming with the requests that we get every single day of our lives. But when I think about social media, my first reaction is not overwhelmed. My first reaction is gratitude. It really is. I mean, it really is. I mean, like the card that I just read to you. I mean, I don't know who this person is. I've never met this person. Could never pick them out of a crowd or a lineup. But they sent in a card expressing gratitude for what God has done in their lives. And then also, I want to help your ministry. So my first reaction has to be gratitude for our social media platforms. And that includes our website, This person only knows us through our social media platforms, which also includes the podcast network that they listen to. There are many redemptive possibilities of technology, and that's what I'm saying. There is an echo of omnipresence in these platforms, meaning we're not omnipresent, but there's an echo of omnipresence that we can go around the globe 
every day. And virtually every day, somebody from somewhere around the globe is expressing gratitude for the Lord's good work through this ministry. Most Christians understand the virtual possibilities of redemptive communication and restorative help that that they can participate in for the Lord's fame. They embrace Paul's attitude and Paul's practice when it came to social media. You can nicely sum up his philosophy on communication by what he said in Ephesians 4.9. These folks practice social media this way. Here it is. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that he may give grace to those who hear. That's Ephesians 4.29. And so my first reaction is gratitude But there's always a downside of common grace. Because we live in a fallen world and we're imperfect people, there's always a downside. There's always a backside liability. There's a back door to the front door. And when it comes to common grace gifts from the Lord, we want to make sure that we are making that honest assessment about these good things that I have thus far been giving great gratitude for. And so it's for this reason that every believer should take the time to reflect on how they enjoy these good gifts. In this case, I'm addressing social media. And so I want to begin this podcast by giving you a few helpful questions for you to consider as I work through this. And so I have five questions for you, or in my case, it's typically question blocks because one question will turn into two and and three within a block. And so here's the first question. Do you spend too much time on social media to the detriment of your spiritual life or your family? The associated question with Question number one, are you addicted to a particular medium? Number two, are you easily tempted to say things harshly on social media when you would never say those things to the person's face? Let's move on. Number three, perhaps you would say those things unkindly. Oh, my. Like, this is how you normally talk. Like, what we see on social media is how you talk to People in your real world, unkindly. The social media, so your social media platform is an accurate reflection of your heart everywhere. Do you need to change? Here's the question. Do you need to change as you see your heart reflected on social media? Question number four, are you tempted to present yourself in a way that makes you appear better than you are? You maintain a carefully edited image of yourself in cyberspace. The duality between who you really are and your representative, well, it's hypocritical and you're okay with it. Are you tempted that way? And then number five, would it be prudent for you to go on a fast from your favorite social media platform or maybe de-platform yourself altogether, meaning cut the cord? Realizing that each person's life is different It is unwise to mandate how everyone should live in the gray areas. What is right for me may not be best for you and vice versa. There is grace that covers our uniqueness. There's grace that covers our seasons of life. 
And we do have different seasons of life. The homeschool mom, for example, is is neck deep in busyness during the little years, when the kids are little, and homeschool is ramping up. And then as the children become a little more interdependent, you know, at 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age, that's another season. And so we have those transitional seasons of life. Not only are our lives unique, but there are those various seasons. And so wise and humble folks recognize these realities and rejoice in each other's freedoms and choices. My big idea here is I would be sad if you adopted my social media preferences. Don't do that. Don't be like me. What would Rick do? Who cares? What would you do? That's what's important. And so I would be sad if you listened to this podcast and you adopted my preferences as your own without talking to God, without discussing what you need to do with a close friend. You must resist being a puppet. You must resist being a parrot. When the Lord is beckoning you to live your life before Him primarily, and according to the most effective way you can impact others. Thus, I trust you understand that I have a different experience than yours. And so with that as a backdrop, I'm going to share a few practices that have served our family well for years. Don't adopt them. Don't be a puppet or a parrot. These ideas are not in stone But they do represent where we are today, and again, not in stone. Our season of life will change. It always does. But they reflect the most useful ways that we, Rick, Lucia, can love God and others without drowning ourselves in cyberspace or the expectations that others believe we should adopt, meaning we should do what they do, and we should beckon to whatever it is they're asking us to do via social media. It is exceptional for me. This is point number one. It's exceptional for me to engage anyone on social media. That's not how I think about social media. I treat our social media platforms as a one way monologue where folks can freely access our resources for their benefit. I have to do this. I want them to benefit. I want them to share it with others. But social media is not a dialogue community for me. Now, people get upset with me about that, and I'll just have to say it as frankly as I can. I don't care. I really don't, because this is my life, it's my wife, it's my children. We have a dog now, by the way. It's our dog. And so I can't jump every time somebody pulls my string. And so we we treat social media platforms. I had one person that just unfollowed us completely because I would not answer his question on Facebook. Social media is not a dialogue community for me because I don't have discretionary time to give to folks that I can't build relationally in real time, in real space. Because of the enormous amount of time it takes to get to know a person, social media is restrictive, it's artificial. It actually cripples the very thing that you need to do with a person to know them. For me, social media is a business-slash-ministry opportunity to spread God's fame. But when it comes to my need for maturing in my sanctification, it's unwise to invest in such a medium. And so I don't. It's a a one-way medium. 
Now, this view is similar how all businesses function. For example, when you visit Walmart or your favorite restaurant, your goal is not to become besties with the wait staff or the owner. Now, perhaps you will do that. And if you do do that, what, what are you going to do? You're going to create more context to build those relationships because you can't go deeply to know or to connect with anyone by infrequently visiting their business. And so I don't see social media as a place to where I'm going to build relationally with someone. I can't. It's impossible. And so I don't even try. So I treat it for what it is. I, I give you information there. I treat it as you come to my restaurant, I give you food. You come to my Walmart, I give you clothes. And we do give our stuff away free, by the way. You don't try that at Walmart. But then there are those who support our ministry financially. Now, this is another group of people altogether. I do not take our supporters' generosity to my family and to me light, light, lightly like this individual that sent this card that I just read to you. They give us money because they appreciate what I do, and they want to partner with us so we can continue to do this type of ministry globally. This is a different demographic I'm talking about here. This is not my so, our social media platforms, but this is our supporting community, a much smaller group. Their kindness is a massive blessing from the Lord. Our supporters have a community where they hang out. Now, that community is our website, not on Facebook, not on... I mean, they're, they're there. They are there, but they know that this is where we are. We have a website. We have invested thousands of dollars and thousands of hours into building and maintaining a meeting place for those who support us. Now, we also have a free community there as well. And we will talk to you on we will talk to you on our website, even if you're not our supporters. But our supporters are the ones who paid for that place, paid for, paid for that big box store, and that is the place where they expect to find me each day, and they expect to find our team there each day. How awful would it be if those who supported our ministry? came to our place and we weren't there because we were everywhere else. While social media folk receive one-way dialogue, our free resources that we give away, those who give us money receive two-way communication. Our supporters get the best from our team and from me because it's humbling that anyone would value what I do, and it speaks highly of the grace of God in that he would bring all of us together to partner in such a way to make his fame great. But, but more than having this demographic separation and, and having, I'm talking about a loyalty to those folks who support us, it's also an integrity thing. It's an integrity thing for me to stay off social media as much as possible. Imagine if someone gave you money and expected you to be responsive to them when they had a need or had a question. It'd be like a pastor paid to serve his congregation. It would be wrong for him to work for another group of folks rather than the ones who pay him. I'm talking about a tithe and offerings. These people who pay him to help them, to help that local body. They have a local building. We have a website where people come. Some of those people tithe. Well, they 
pay it. They don't tithe, but they support us. Some of them come freely, but they come to that building. Now, perhaps part of his pay was for doing things outside that local body, which is fine if it does not impair his care for his flock. So each pastor and congregation should work through the most effective means of being a church to each other while strategizing the most useful ways of reaching their communities with the gospel. And so the operative word here is integrity. The first word was loyalty. I'm loyal to those who support us. Now it's an integrity issue. For me, there are only so many hours in the day. Therefore, I have to prioritize my life to the most vital relationships and the most vital responsibilities. Perhaps you can think this way too. A functional assessment for you is to think through where you spend your best relationship time. And are there things in your life that keep you from building into those individuals? I'm like most people in that I'm always busy. I am never unbusy, never unbusy. In fact, no believer should be unbusy. We are missional people. We're on the Great Commission. There is never any downtime in my life unless I choose to push away from work and to take that time, which I do. Lucia and I are intentional about guarding our personal and our family time. I've written much about that. But in my world, in Rick's world, when I'm not working, guess what? The work never stops. You see, we have a in the cyber world, which is the ministry that we build, it is a 24-7 world. Even the coronavirus of 2020 does not slow down our world because <laughs> the, the operative words here are social distancing. Well, we are a, a cyber ministry, and so that doesn't affect us. And so even when I slow down or take a break, the work piles up while I am away, and there is always more to do than I have time to accomplish. Therefore, I have to choose my priorities, and the way that I manage my time reflects how I think about God, how I think about His Word, how I think about myself, how I think about others, especially my family. And so when it comes to my time, Social media is way, 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 way down on my priority list. Think about it this way. Jesus divided people into demographics or into groupings, if you will. Jesus taught to thousands. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught to thousands of people. But he gave his best time to only a few Jesus understood the wisdom of dividing people into demographics that gave him the most useful way of transforming the few while not neglecting the many. In his humanity, 12. (laughs) 12 was a handful to train, as it would be for anyone. It is possible to provide care for thousands of people. But that type of training does not reach the level of what a person could do with a small group of learners. I think about our social media platforms similarly. And that's why I don't stress, because I cannot develop all of those followers the way that I can with a smaller number of folks who come to our website. The disparity is tremendous. 
I mean, the hundreds of thousands of people who are somehow networked to our social media platforms versus the smaller thousands of people that are connected to our website. Each week, I am freely pouring forth thousands of words, graphics, videos, all over social media. We're reaching hundreds of thousands of people from every corner of the world. It's stunning, amazing grace to be able to impact so many lives with our resources. And it's unrealistic to think that I could or should do more than that. This is 2020. Currently, we have more than 13,000 people on Facebook. We have more than 2,000 people on Twitter. We have more than 1,400 people on Instagram. We have more than 7,000 people on LinkedIn. Now, there is overlap in that some folks follow us on multiple platforms. Do you remember when Matthew said that there were 5,000 people that Jesus fed with the bread and the fish? But he said this, not counting the women and children. I want you to think about the implication of our social media numbers that I just read to you. 13,000, 2,000, 1,400, and 7,000 on LinkedIn. And tie that to Matthew's words. We can ease, when he said there were 5,000 people, not counting the women and children, we can easily reach more than 100,000 people any given month, which we do after you factor in the women and children, after you factor in the friends of these followers and the families of these followers, folks who follow us. Imagine the enormous pressure that I could subject myself to if I believed that I should be responsive to those people in a similar way to those who are part of our smaller community. Currently, we have 7,000 members of our smaller community. Only a few hundred of those are actually supporting us financially. More than 7,000 are free members on our way. I didn't mention that when I mentioned the social media platforms, those earlier numbers, but there's another 7,000 free members members on our website. If you don't have a way of vetting the seriousness of the request of those who want a piece of you, it won't be long before there are no more pieces of you to give. Some people live this way, though. They say yes to anyone. They say yes to everyone without thinking through the lack of wisdom of catering to people the way that you can't cater to people the way that they want you to help them. Christ was masterful at knowing his demographics and not caving to their request in the way that they presented their wishes to him. The rich young ruler did not get what he wanted the way that he desired it. Mary and Martha had to rethink how manipulating Christ was not their best play. There are many more who tried to bend Christ to their preferences. Here's the question for you. Do you have a way of discerning the seriousness of a person's request while providing them the best means to access your help? I'm not suggesting that you ignore anyone we never turn anyone away, never have in 12 years of ministry the way that we do ministry now, but we never permit people to control how they are going to receive help from us. This position is Christ-like, always ready to help, but never willing to allow others to demand how you will do it. 
Some people are too insecure at this point, and they react in one or two ways. They either become the puppet to the demands of other people, or they respond with harshness and anger after they permit the requesters to push them to their limits. In both cases, they take on the role of a victim because of their lack of courage. The title of this podcast and the article that I'm sharing with you is Being Honest about the limitations of social media relationships. I have a handful of questions that I want to ask you, and because of time, I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but you can read them. They're here. They're free. If you want them, they're yours. You can print this off. But here's question number one. When you hear me say that I never turn any way, turn anyone away, but I don't always meet their request the way they want me to, what goes through your mind? And more specifically, how could you apply that concept to your life and your friends? Number two, are you a puppet? When someone asks you for something, always jumping to their request? Or go to the other side of the road and and jump in the other ditch. Here's the question for the person in the other ditch. Are you an uncaring or distant person because cynicism has crept into your heart. Number three, what is one thing that you can change about yourself to where you can help more people but not permit their wishes to overwhelm you? Now, again, I have more questions here, and you're welcome to read them. Again, the article is Being Honest about the limitations of social media relationships. And as always, we do have a platform where you can come, and if your question is vital to you, then it's vital to us. And if it is vital to you, you'll come to our place and you'll ask your question, and it would be our joy to serve you. Thank you for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.